This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Caught! Touchdown! Kansas City! Hey, Chiefs Kingdom, we have you covered. Joining Sports Daily Live, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, Dan Israel. And welcome back, everybody. Hour number two kicking off with a bang because our buddy Dan Israel joins us here on Sports Daily as he does every Tuesday during the Chiefs season. We appreciate Dan. You can always hear Dan and the Chiefs radio network over on KNSS every Chiefs game right here on our family of stations. Dan, uh, catch our breath. Another classic Chiefs-Bills showdown. Buffalo gets the best of this one. Several days removed. How's the vibe up there at Arrowhead? You know, I think... For the most part, everybody's, uh, you know, they're disappointed in the loss, but they're encouraged for two reasons. One, I think, you know, the two best teams in the AFC went into that game, and the two best teams in the AFC came out of that game. I think what you thought the Chiefs were, what you thought the Bills were, was for real, and that's always nice when teams play what you expect to, and it, it was an epic matchup. The second reason is that, you know, you realize that the Bills aren't vastly superior to the Chiefs. These are two very close teams, and every time they play, it's going to finish in the final seconds of the game, and I think this is another example uh, to prove that. So, I, I, And then I would throw in there my personal thoughts, which is it's very difficult to beat a team twice in one season, and so when these teams, two teams rematch in the playoffs, and I hope that they do, I expect that they will, uh, I think it'll be to the Chiefs' advantage to have lost that regular season game, much like last year. Unfortunately, it may cost them the, the home field advantage. You know, they may have to fly to Orchard Park and, and play in Buffalo. But who cares where they play as long as they can can uh, progress in the playoffs? That's what matters. Dan, I think it's pretty remarkable uh, when when you sit back and you watch these matchups of you know, especially Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen's and Josh Allen and you know the two best quarterbacks in the NFL, head and shoulders above. Uh, basically anybody else and you know we've seen him go back and forth over the last couple of years we'll probably see it for years to come Uh, take a minute to assess your thoughts on not only Patrick Mahomes but what you saw from Josh Allen on Sunday yeah it's pretty special I've seen an awful lot of football in my life I've seen an awful lot of great players in my life Hall of Fame players in my life but I don't think I've ever seen two people on the field like that in, in such command of their position I mean uh, Mahomes, we've just seen the magic from Mahomes time and time again. Is, was it odd for him to throw that interception? It was, but it does happen, correct? But I, I feel like, you know, we all it just the man is, has put the game on his back so many times and won it that if he puts it on his back and he loses one, you have to kind of forgive that in, in that the overall is good. Allen is the same way, man. I, I just felt like he's played two practically flawless games in Arrowhead and only won one of them and barely won that one. You know, I, I mean, who knows if Mahomes hadn't thrown the interception, what would have happened? I, I think it's got to be frustrating for him to come to Kansas City, to get on a plane and come to Kansas City and know you, you, you don't know how you're going to be going home. Uh, but, wow, did he play good. He's just got such a cannon. You know, I think there were a couple of times when, he was practically in the grasp of either Frank Clark or Chris Jones and still managed to make incredible throws. So much like Mahomes, he's a playmaker, man. These two are going to be around for a long time. I think the interesting thing, too, is neither one of them were really the first quarterback picked in the in their draft class. So 
uh, it just goes to show that we still have a long way to go when we evaluate talent. Yeah, the, the, the talent is there for both of these teams. I thought it was a really interesting game. I, I did think, though, Dan, the defense, and I know they're not 100%, but now for the second week in a row, that was not a good performance by the defense, which we had seen promise from. What is, what is the need there? What has to get better? We obviously identify pass rush, right? And the secondary is thin, but it's getting burned on too many plays. What do we think right now defensively? And as we ask that as the Chiefs restructure Travis Kelsey's deal today to free up some money, could there be any help out there that's not currently on the roster? Well, you know, I, I would say with what Veach has been able to do with general manager Brett Veach, there's probably somebody out there that he could bring in here and help. I, I do think the injury situation, the suspension has not been good. Dana and McDuffie, being down uh, has has been a, a, a tough haul. I think Willie Gay Jr. being absent hasn't been as big a deal as I probably had thought that it would, but when you play great teams, and the Buffalo Bills are a complete team, man. I mean, they even they even got the squib kick right this year, which is, you know, something I think in previous years that – or the previous year that we saw where their special teams wasn't quite up to their defense and offense. But <laughs> I feel like, you know, for the Chiefs, when you're playing a great team, you just you've got to have all your talent there, and and these guys are too young. You know, Williams, Joshua Williams, is just a little too young to to really be confident in his in his you know his mechanics, and and so Mike Dana being down, I, I felt like Chris Jones was really uh, struggling to not get double teamed. That the I don't know what's going on in the league right now with these holding calls. It just feels like the refereeing is continuing to get, get worse and worse. They were holding Frank Clark and Chris Jones, just blatantly holding, grabbing jerseys and and not getting called. I thought that was a little bit unique. But you know, I think you get Dana back in that lineup. Um, I think things get better. George Karloftis is going to continue to get better. Uh, you know, we even saw Copeland. Or we saw a number of players that we didn't really feel like you know, maybe they were starting caliber, take a step forward. They put a lot on these young guys for that game to play what in my mind might be the best team in the national football league right now uh, is, is asking a lot. But one thing we know about, you know, losing for the Kansas city chiefs and the way the coaching staff handles that is they always learn, they always get better. I'd like to see though, the cornerback situation, the secondary has just got to get a little stronger. Uh, you know, when you're up against a quarterback who's surgical like Josh Allen, and we've got a number of those, right? I mean, we see that in Herbert as well. You've got to have cornerbacks that can play man-to-man and can keep up, and, and there's just nothing uh, – there's no substitute for that. So that would be my – you know, that's probably where I'd go because I, I do feel like they were getting a little – Frank Clark was getting a little bit of pressure in there on Sunday. I thought he played very well, and, and so my biggest concern is that secondary. So following up on that a little bit, Dan, because I agree with you, and we talked about it last week when you were on the show about how, of course, Buffalo brings in Steph Diggs and, and Gabe Davis and you know just their dynamic wide receiver core. Do you think that they're, until that secondary gets older, gets better, gets stronger, that maybe there is a, a scheme change that's needed or play calling change? Because I felt like, I thought Steve Spagnola called a pretty good game overall. Uh, but I, I do feel like, you know, there were all those, uh, all those times that he blitzed Josh Allen 
And yeah, there was some pressure and there was some disruption from Josh Allen, but they only had one sack. They could only get to him one time. And when you're blitzing that way, of course, you're leaving these young corners on an island by themselves. Is there a change that needs to be happening in the the play calling decision making? Like, do you need to do something a little bit different until you can get a better beefed up secondary? You know, I'd hate to second guess Steve Spagnuolo because he's a really smart dude. But here's what I would say about all of that is that they, they were getting effective pressure against him. Even though they weren't sacking him, they were forcing errant throws in that first half. And in particular, the first quarter, I think they, they had pressured him like 10 times and, and he had blown the, they had pretty much blown the play up nine of those 10 times. But in the second half, as Josh Allen settled down and started being more effective against that, a lot like we see Mahomes do, that's when I think you almost got to stop the, you know, the blitz. You can't leave those guys uncovered for four or five seconds. Uh, they just don't have enough experience. And so to me, I guess if I were going to second guess him, the, the thing I would say is they should have probably made some more adjustments to maybe not do as much of blitzing in the second half when Allen wasn't being effective. Uh, I get though, I get the, you know, it's a, it's a fine line and it's certainly a balance that they have to strike. The other thing I think is interesting about, you know, when these young guys go up against guys like Joshua Allen, um, that's an opportunity for them to learn that they aren't going to learn anywhere else. You know, when you're going up against a, a Derek Carr, or you're going up against, you know, just a, a mediocre quarterback and, uh, you know, or maybe a quarterback that doesn't have a lot of experience, you don't get to learn like you do. And, and I felt like, you know, when they were up against Tampa Bay and, and Tom Brady, they really worked on disguising their defenses to try to, to fool Tom Brady, and they did it. And so now they were up against a guy who is able to extend plays when they break down not only once, but they break down a second time. He can still do things. And, and so those are all learning opportunities to make those guys stronger, that you can't get that kind of schooling anywhere else. So I, while I say, you know, in my mind, yes, you're right. I think they've got to be careful about exposing those guys until they get the experience. There's only one way to get that experience. And so it's a fine line. It's a balance they have to find. Let's talk, Dan. Uh, because we just continue to evaluate it. The wide receiver room, big plays made by Juju Smith-Schuster, which was really nice to see. McCole Hardman made a couple of plays. That was promising, and, and maybe that's coming. How do you evaluate their day against Buffalo? You know, if I'm honest, guys, I, I, this, I find this frustrating. It's like somebody step up. It's just it really feels like this is a wide open field and all these guys have this yep. tremendous talent and nobody's just gone. That's my job. You're going to pry that job from my cold dead fingers. You know, nobody's really taken that attitude with it. And, and while I think it's, it's always good when an offense spreads the ball around, you know, you want to hit the fact that, you know, we, we entered that game without a single wide receiver having a touchdown. And that, that I find that fascinating. You know, I mean, how is it that I, I get that Tyreek's not here anymore and the dynamic's a little different, but it just feels like no one wants to step into that number one slot. Juju's probably as close as we've seen, and that's kind of what we saw at camp. MVS had a fantastic catch in the end zone that he dropped. You know, it's like I just – it's I find it a little frustrating because, you know, we're five weeks, six weeks in here. Uh, and still nobody has claimed that job. At least that's the way I feel. I don't know. How do you guys feel about it? 
Well, I, I mean, I just I wonder if they're ever going to have somebody they target like that. Juju broke off the big play, so he had the 42-yarder. That was great to see. We haven't seen that for four weeks prior to this game, so maybe that's something. Um, I, I, I don't know either. And, and when they free up money, I just – would they attack that position? I mean, it seems like the need is bigger on the defense, but Odell Beckham's out there and doesn't cost you anything but money. The Panthers are in a fire cell. I mean, there's names out there that would draw some interest, or is this offense now just designed for Kelsey to be that guy and to spread it around? I guess I just don't know what their intention is. It's hard to say. Well, there's certainly the trust level with Kelsey, and and you know when you when you talk about defense versus offense, uh, if I were to look at that game last week against the Bills, and keeping in mind that it's against the Bills. I would say I felt like the defense struggled. However, they held the Bills to 24 points, which is pretty impressive. The fact that our offense could only score 20 uh, probably goes to show why the Bills are rated number one in so many statistical categories uh, defensively. Uh, But – you know, for us, we've just always been able to overcome whatever it is, whatever is thrown at Mahomes in the offense. And so, you know, there's, I, I don't know how they're looking at it, but I mean, there is an argument to be made there that they still don't have the pieces on offense that they need. Um, my natural inclination is go find a cornerback, you know, but, but I, it, I guess it wouldn't surprise me if they did come in with a, a if they brought in some more guys. I just don't think, I think you'd have a better shot at finding a cornerback out there than you're going to have at finding a, a wide receiver. I mean, they brought in an awful lot of talent, a wide receiver. And and still, even with that level of competition, we haven't seen anybody emerge. It's it's a little fascinating. You know, Dan, it's interesting to me, you know, all the talk about the wide receiver room and, and the lack of a clear number one receiver outside of Travis Kelsey. Um, I, I I understand that and I get it. But I also look at the running backs. I, like, I feel like there's more concern running the football right now than the, all the different wide receivers that the Chiefs have. Really, against Buffalo, nobody was effective. Clyde Edwards-Elair wasn't effective in the run game. Pacheco wasn't effective. Jerick McKinnon was nowhere to be found. And I know it's kind of a, it's been a different guy every week that has been fairly effective for Kansas City running the football, but against Buffalo, and it's credit to Buffalo's defense, absolutely, in stopping the run. But do you have any concerns about where the running back room is right now? Uh, You know, I I would say I don't have as much concern about that because I I feel like for the Bills, that their interior two defensive linemen in their linebacking, especially Milano, I, I just think is underrated. Milano's an unbelievably good linebacker. He's a lot like Nick Bolton to me. He's able to stop things in the backfield. Uh, it feels almost like he's guessing sometimes, but he guesses right so many times it can't be a guess. You know, if you flip a coin ten times and it's nine times out of ten it lands on on one side, you can't. That's not chance anymore. Something's up. <laughs> You've got a trick coin or you know somebody's involved there. And I feel like with Milano, he just guesses right so many times it, it can't be guessing. Uh, so to me, I feel like they're a little underrated. The Bills were a little underrated against the run, even though I, I know there's been teams have success against them this year. I, I feel like their scheme is matches up well with us. So I'm not worried yet. Let's see how this goes against the 49ers. I think this will be a truer test to see, you know, because in each of these games outside of the Bills games, it feels like one running back has risen to the occasion 
to kind of balance things out and make some you know plays happen with the possible example whatever the possible exception of the Colts. But the you know the the Jarek McKinnon thirty yard run the week against the Raiders you know that just didn't happen this week. And so I, I want to see I want a little bit larger sample set. But your your question is a valid one for sure. Yeah, and we can't predict which guy it's going to be, right? If you felt like after the week before it was going to be a Jet McKinnon game, and we didn't see him till the fourth really running the ball. Uh, before we let you go, Dan, let's look ahead to the Niners. I don't know if they're going to get healthier on defense than they were a week ago, but it was pretty bad how many injuries they had. Um, the Chiefs have to go on the road, and they have to go out there. But this feels like a good opportunity to catch the Niners when they may be just a little bit hobbled, both offensively and defensively, right? You want a good test for the, for the corners? Well, here's Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. But defensively, yeah. <laughs> the Niners are, are a little bit hobbled. What do we think of this matchup? I, I think this might be great timing to get them, especially when you have to go there to play them. Yes, I would agree. I, I think it's perfect timing. They're just so banged up. They're a little bipolar anyway. I mean, you've seen them, you've seen them play extremely well. You've seen them beat people they sh- you didn't think they would beat. But as banged up as they are, and it, it, the whole quarterback situation is fascinating to me with, you know, they've moved on from a quarterback and then suddenly he's their starting quarterback again. But I do know Jimmy Garoppolo is a very – above average quarterback. This isn't a guy who's just capable of, of being a, a signal caller. He can make plays. And so they haven't, you mentioned the two guys that are probably the scariest to me on offense. And so they've got to figure out a way to handle that offense. Cause if they don't, it will get away from them. But I do feel like this is an opportunity for the chiefs to go out there and kind of fix things and, and get back on track because I think they're catching a little bit of a watered down 49ers team. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. It's another afternoon kick. You guys will have it on KNSS 425. It'll be in the national window again. Um, so we look forward to it. We look forward to the Chiefs uh, bouncing back. What time does pregame start for you guys, Dan? Uh, network, it's 2 o'clock. See, that, that, okay. I tell you, it's, it's almost amazing. We never see the noon window anymore. When I first started I cutting my teeth 30 years ago, every game was at noon unless you went to the West Coast. But – that is not true anymore. Now, man, it just seems like we're uh, we're the we're the show. With you know, hey, you gotta like that kind of pressure, right? Yeah, you know you'll I mean? take the Chiefs it. Have right. an inc- yeah, the Chiefs have an incredibly tough schedule, and and they somehow managed to make all of these games entertaining. And and the one thing I think I was most pleased by the Bills' performance was it wasn't a blowout. Week five, or maybe it was week six in twenty twenty one. That was a blowout, man. They they handled the Chiefs soundly. This was a very entertaining game, and, and I hope the 49ers are competitive enough that the Chiefs – it would be an entertaining game as well, but the Chiefs should fare well in San Francisco. Yeah, I, I, I like them this week quite a bit. All right, Dan, thank you. Let's do it again next week, and we'll be heading into a bye, which will be uh, welcome for the Chiefs to get a little healthier and, well, whatever it takes to get some defenders back. We appreciate it, Dan. We'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good, guys. Go Chiefs. There goes Dan Israel, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network. You hear those calls each and every week on our family of stations over on KNSS. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back uh, another season. You know, the fall is wacky, right? We get uh, we get craziness in the fall. Well, here we go. You've got the NBA opening up with some really good games tonight. What do we think? We'll talk about it next on Sports Daily. 
Dude, you gotta hear this. Go ahead. I think I want to hear this. Sports Daily is on KFH. All right, basketball fans can turn a loss into a win with the king of sportsbooks. Just place a single first basket score prop bet on any NBA game. If your bet loses, you'll receive up to $25 back in free bets. Wager confidently. Take your game to the next level with BetMGM, an authorized gaming partner of the NBA. Just log into your account or download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Then wager on any player to score the first basket in any NBA game. If your bet misses, you'll get up to $25 back in free bets. Turn game time into showtime with BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Kansas only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Tommy, we get the start of the NBA season tonight. You got two great games between four teams that feel like they should contend for a title, whether you believe they will or not. Philadelphia and Boston in the first window. Lakers, Warriors in the late window. I go into this season, and I always think about these things with the NBA. Are we in a situation where it needs to be Golden State or the field, or is it closer than that this year? I think it's probably closer than that, but I do think Golden State's a really nice favorite. I think it's it's a lot closer than that, and you look at all the sports books, and nobody really has a clear consensus for a betting favorite. Like it's it's all over the place. The Warriors, the Celtics, the Clippers, um, even the Nets, the Bucks, the 76ers, like they're all around there with odds of 10 to one or shorter. So there's really no consensus right now. I'm sure that, you know, as we get into the season, that will, you know, things will clear up significantly. But I what I think is really interesting as you get into this season is the two teams that were in the finals last year, Golden State and Boston, both of them are dealing with off-the-court drama and scandals right now. Uh, of course, the Warriors with Draymond Green and Jordan Poole, the Celtics with Ime Udoka and his suspension. Like, they both have distractions off the court, and so it's going to be really intriguing to me how both of these teams respond. I, I would imagine they're both, they're both going to be contenders, uh, without a doubt, I would think. Um, it's just going to be interesting to me how it's handled for both of those teams and if either one of those off the court scandals does does anything to really disrupt the momentum that these teams have yeah you know I think Golden State is better equipped to not have an issue on its hands Um, is that because of Steve Kerr do you think yes I think he was trained by the Zen master and then by Greg Popovich. And I think he is just equipped to deal with these things. Um, And I don't know how big a deal it's going to be on the court. They clearly paid pool anyway. This seems like a Draymond Green issue as much as it is a team issue. Um, 
And Draymond Green's got some things to figure out. The team last year, I mean, if I'm remembering correctly, they struggled without Draymond Green, right? Like it was not it was not easy going when he wasn't there. So he is clearly still a really critical part of their team, I think. Um, but I think Steve, you know, Kerr's just got to have, until we see it not work, right? I mean, he was trained by Phil Jackson. Think about the, think about those Bulls teams. All the potential issues they might have had, and the Lakers teams, quite frankly, with Kobe and Shaq. And he just was the master of it. If Kerr took anything away from him, and I think that he has, then it's good. The other thing that the Warriors have is, I mean, they got Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. So you get it off the court. You get it on the court. Um, I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be okay, and I think that they'll figure it out. Draymond Green is an interesting dude that should have been in more trouble than he was for what happened. I mean, that's unacceptable. We joke about some of the things that happen, and some of them aren't taken. That that was one that just was absolutely not taken seriously enough. That I mean, he needed to be suspended. Uh, yeah, he did. And, uh, you know, of course, that that culture that Steve Kerr is building uh, and has built over the years. I mean, it's there. It's entrenched. Um, part of it is protecting its players, protecting its superstars. And, um, you know, they handled it internally. Uh, there was a fine. Uh, I, like you mentioned, Jordan Poole got paid. Poole is on the record saying that he and Draymond are going to um, – progress professionally we'll see if that actually is legitimate or not i don't know i mean that's kind of what that's kind of what jordan Poole has to say um but yeah i feel like if you're comparing the scandals between golden state and boston yeah i think you'd rather be in golden state's position right now because you didn't lose your head coach you didn't lose steve kerr and boston did you know and uh they don't have Ime Udoka, who has been uh, one of the the rising stars in the coaching ranks uh, for Boston and, and led that team to to the finals last year. So you don't have him. You still have your players. You still have got, you know, you've got the talent. You just don't have your head coach. And so I think that's a concern, absolutely, getting into this season. And then I also wonder, when you look at the parallels that can be drawn between the Lakers and the Nets and what they're going to do with their stars, the Lakers with Russell Westbrook. That's really, really interesting how that's going to, to play out. And then the nets and the, the, the off season drama with Kevin Durant. And is he demanding a trade? Is he staying? What's he going to do? Then he ends up staying with Brooklyn. Like there are some issues that need to be worked out with those teams too. So I know that, you know, we, we, you always want to focus on the, the, on the court play and all of that, but there are a lot of storylines off the court with these teams that could potentially be contenders. Yeah. Any, any other, who, is there anybody that could play themselves? And I ask this because I pay far more attention to college basketball lately than I do the NBA, although that's going to change now uh, with sports wagering. And as I try to evaluate whether that's anything I would have interest in, uh, but are there any contenders out there that we aren't thinking about? Like, is Minnesota going to really be in the mix this year? I, I, I think they might be, right? Could they be? They could be. They could be. I look at Milwaukee, you know, as long as you've got Giannis on your roster, um, you know, and he chose to stay in Milwaukee. Uh, and that I think that's a testament to 
uh, the fan base and the ownership and, and, you know, all of that. Um, uh, and one thing that I think Milwaukee has going for it, and we saw this when they made their run, what was it, two years ago when they made that run or, or, or last? I don't exactly remember when it was. It would have been two seasons ago when they made that run was that Milwaukee doesn't get talked about. And so they can kind of fly under the radar a little bit while everybody is focused on the Lakers and the Warriors and the Celtics and, you know, the, these big market teams. And all Giannis and the Bucks do is go out and win. And so I, I, you know, I certainly think that as long as he's on that roster, you have to consider them as somebody that can make a run. I'd be watching Luka Doncic and can he be an MVP this year? Uh, they went out and they added Christian Wood, a pretty good player from Houston, which is exactly what the Mavs needed. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think, look, I think the Warriors are, I, I think the Warriors have a chance to be really, 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 really good. Steph and Clay are a little bit older, but there's a decent chance there's a return to somewhat normal from Clay Thompson. And they're young guys. That's what that's what we all that's what we always forget. These young guys. I mean, James Wiseman's like entering the conversation now after injury. They got some dudes, man. I, I think the Warriors are gonna be a really interesting team to watch. Um Hey, do you LeBron think that and, by the way, I was gonna yeah. ask you about LeBron. Do you think the Lakers yeah. can make it work this year? Um No. I don't ever want to count LeBron out. They would need good health. Hmm. No, they got to figure out the Russell Westbrook I, I don't, thing. They got to figure that out. I, it's not a thing. Like it's not a thing. Like he's not going to help them win. Can they win despite him? That's the. Th I, I don't know if there's enough there. I, I'll just say no. I'll just say no because I don't know the rest. The Russell Westbrook thing's not going to work. I don't know how you can count on Anthony Davis's health. So no. Like, do I see a world where they beat the Warriors in a seven-game series? Absolutely not. And that's saying LeBron. You know, LeBron can still do crazy things, but no, it, it's not going to work in LA. Yeah, I mean, you know, taking a look at at some of the the futures for NBA champion right now, uh, looks like the Lakers are somewhere around eighteen to one favorites. Um, the 76ers 15 to one, the Suns 12 to one. And then you've got kind of the, the five, I guess, favorites that you're looking at the Warriors at six to one Clippers at six to one Celtics, six to one, then Brooklyn seven to one and Milwaukee eight to one. Um, so again, really there's, I know that you like the Warriors and I, and, and I, I don't, I would never, I don't know if I would ever bet against Steve Kerr and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and, and Draymond Green and all of that. Um, but I'm just not sure that it is, it's consensus. I'm not sure that it's set in stone that Golden State will run away with this thing. No, I don't. And I don't think it should be either, by the way. I don't think it should be to the level it was when Kevin Durant was there, when it was a foregone conclusion. And, and quite frankly, I'm glad because those years sucked. Right. Like those weren't fun years at all in the NBA. You're like, well, why are we watching this? Like, that, you know, who's going to win. But the Celtics are, you know, the Celtics is a bigger favorite right now than the Warriors on BetMGM without Yudoka. Hmm. Right. Like, Interesting. They're they're five to one right now on an outright NBA title winner. Golden State six to one bucks. You mentioned six and a half to one. They put the Nets back in there. Really? Who's betting on the Nets yeah. or the Clippers? I'm seeing them at seven to one right now. The Clippers like, at six on. to one. I mean, Kawhi Leonard is back. Of course, they've got Paul eh. George. I don't know. Eh. I mean, I'd rather take like a sixteen to one shot on the Heat. The Nuggets back healthy. 
I, one, I wouldn't take a shot on any of those teams. I'd just take the Warriors at six to one is what I would do. Um, do you like Milwaukee yeah, I, at eight to one? No. Really? See, I would take Milwaukee at eight to one. Why would? What has happened in Milwaukee that would make you think they could beat the Warriors outside of injury? I suppose. Just the the overall talent level of Giannis and and who's around him. I but I don't it was I there mean, last year and it wasn't enough. And I don't think the Warriors were as good last year as they could be this year because they didn't have Wiseman and they're going to get Clay Thompson back now a full year after the after the Achilles thing, which usually takes a little longer. That's a good point. And you know, of course, the Warriors have a significant amount of talent. I just I like where, you know, I w- I wouldn't. I'll tell you this. I wouldn't take the Bucks at six to one, but I might take him at eight to one. Uh, that's a little bit, that's more juicy, right? Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't like those futures bets anyway, because that's not good enough for me to take the risk on a bet that long when injuries are a, totally a factor, right? Like, hey, I, why I not at this point, like put a flyer on the Lakers at 18 to one. I mean, I don't think well, they'll do it, but you never, no. you never know. You never Ugh. know. Yeah, no, I, I, I just don't think there's a world where that can happen. By the way, I mentioned Luca. Uh, right now, the odds-on favorite to win the MVP, Luca, four to one. Um, okay. Joel Embiid, number two, six to one. Giannis, six and a half to one. Kevin Durant, eight and a half to one. The Joker to go again at nine to one. Jason Tatum at twelve to one. John Morant at fourteen to one, and then Stephen Lebron. Um, I think John Morant is interesting. I think Jason Tatum is interesting. I, I, I love Doncic, and I think he's got a chance to do it, but I'm not doing it for 4-1. to one. But Tatum, Morant, 12-1, to 14-1, okay. I could be in, I, I could get on board with that. Um, you mentioned Joel Embiid. I mean, the Philly Philly could be sneaky. Um, you know, that that's not a team that we've mentioned much uh, in this segment with Embiid and, and Harden and – I don't know. I, Philly could Philly could do something too. Other interesting things out there: Ochai Abaji, thirty-five to one to win Rookie of the Year. Um, trying to see if anybody else we care about is in that conversation. Kendall Brown, eight, uh, eighty to one. Kendall Brown, the former Sunrise Christian star. Uh, Paolo Benchero is the favorite there, at two to one. <laughs> no chance I'm taking that bet at two to one. Yeah. Uh, that's, let's see, six man of the year, Jordan Poole at four and a half to one. I don't think you'd want to bet against him, but I wouldn't make that bet either. Um, defensive player of the year. It's kind of interesting. Rudy Gobert, four to one. Giannis, eight and a half to one. I don't know. Some of these are a little bit tricky. Um, it's, I'm, I'm really interested tonight. I think that that second game tonight, Lakers, Warriors, that's really good for an opening night. And and so is, you know, Sixers Sixer Celtics is good too. This is this is a perfect uh landscape of games for the NBA to open its season. They did a really good job here cuz I think I think this is a really interesting night of hoops. I agree with you. I think that you'll get a a pretty good idea of in that early game the way that Boston is going to be able to play without their head coach this entire season. And then in the second game you're going to get a good idea on not only what's happening with with Golden State, but if the Lakers can piece together a successful season, I think I think this opening game is going to tell you a lot about this yeah. way the season is going to play out. 
We'll see. NBA, it gets going. We'll be a little more locked in than normal now. That's one of the benefits of sports wagering. I, I just, it'll be fun to see. I've never tried to really do that with the NBA, so I will go into it having no idea of what I'm doing. Uh, so that'll be fun. We'll we'll see if how much NBA Chelsea Messenger knows once we get through some football stuff. We'll pick her brain about it later this week. Two more roughing the passer calls last night. Neither of them um, were good calls, quite frankly. I mean, let's just call it like it is. The, the Herbert call was a little bit more understandable by the letter of the law. They went high, and they did make contact. Bradley Chubb did with his head. But the earlier call on Russ was bad again and maybe the worst and if we're just like trying to power rank the bad calls um I don't know man I don't know what you do because Kenny Pickett gone this week to a concussion I I really like this is a difficult difficult crossroads that we face right now for pro football it is and and roughing the passer is is difficult and it's something that is going to continue it's going to continue to be called the nfl has doubled down on it they're not making changes uh the the officiating it's going to continue this way um it, it it is it is what it is at this point i think what is i don't want to say more concerning but just as concerning to me not just roughing the passer it's the overall number of penalties like these games have become flag fests left and right and i know that the Broncos, uh, Troy Aikman said it on the broadcast. They're not super disciplined, and that that plays into it. But last night, there were 240 penalty yards between the Broncos and the Chargers. Denver had 10 penalties for 151. L.A., 9 penalties for 89. That's far too much. The stoppage of play for flags and penalties and all of it, it's just it's it's crazy. And so, yeah, there's a lack of discipline, at least in Denver, for sure. But I think it's overall... We've seen it in multiple games this year, whether it's roughing the passer, pass interference, holding, whatever it is. Dan Israel even referenced it a little bit ago, uh, talking about the Chiefs and the Bills. There are there's a lot of flags being flown right now. Yeah, it was it was bad last night. Um, you know, I I just it, it's so hard with roughing the passer specifically because it is always so impactful. And while pass interference was annoying in the sense that, well, it was just annoying, right? I I at least have some understanding of the concern of the NFL and why it's trying to make quarterbacks not get concussions, right? Like pass interference was just annoying because it was impacting the game for no— and and there wasn't really another side to it. There is another side to roughing the passer calls. And quarterbacks— you know, blindside, like all of the things that they're trying to prevent from happening, they are more vulnerable. I just don't know what you can do because rushing the passer is like the second most important thing you have going in the NFL and the most important thing a defense does. So I'm not sure what you can do to keep keep quarterbacks from getting hit, uh, but at the same time, not jeopardize the integrity of the game. Like it is a really difficult spot. And I just, I don't know what the solution is except more clear rules. And I know 
that there are concerns, and you have them certainly, Tommy, that it would never work. But like the call against the Chargers, that one could have pretty easily been reviewed and be like, oh, wait a minute. he That was all incidental. He was pushed into him. That, that we, we need to pick that flag up. The second yeah. one, if they reviewed it, they probably would have called anyway because there was contact to the helmet, and we're just going to have to live with that. Yeah, the the problem is is that you know if you hit somebody, if you hit the quarterback below the knees, that's pretty clear. If you hit the quarterback in the head, that's pretty clear. Like those two things are clear. Everything else, from the neck down, the shoulders to the I don't know the waist, it's subjective, and you're dealing with intent at that point. Right. That's yeah, what makes it so but, much more. But difficult. at the same time, you can't sling them to the ground or put your body weight into them. Yeah. Apparently, either. And and so it. I don't know. So what do you do? I don't know what you're supposed to do. Can the defender just like pick the quarterback up and if he spins him in three circles but is still standing up, that's what we consider a sack. Like I don't. I really don't know what you're supposed to do. Um, but it's going to be tough, and the NFL can't just say this is the way it's going to be. They got to give more than that. But I understand where they're coming from. Because the concussion is the greatest danger to football, period. All right, we'll come back. We'll wrap it up here on a Tuesday. Albrock and Caster on Sports Basketball Day. Basketball is back. Tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official.